Hey friends, and welcome to You Deserve to Love Your Job with me, Arlene Pace Green. My goal is to help you identify and achieve your greatest aspirations and have a lot of fun along the way. I'm so glad you've joined me on this journey. Let's go. I am so excited to let you know that the You Deserve to Love Your Job book is available. It's in paperback and Kindle. I wrote the book for anyone who is looking for more purpose, more meaning, and more joy in your work and life. Filled with examples, quizzes, and experiences from real people, including me, and the book lays out a roadmap to help you clarify your purpose and create an action plan to achieve it. Go get it. It's available on Amazon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. What are your strengths and or challenges when it comes to working with people who are different than you? I know one concept that I've been taught in working with others who are similar or different as a parent or perhaps as a leader is about how to create an effective balance of challenge and support, meaning that we're challenging those we love and have accountability for to be and achieve their best. And at the same time, we're providing them the support they need to do the same. And figuring out that balance can be so challenging, especially when the person you're interacting with is in a different generation. And I think that's whether you're a coworker, a friend, a leader, a child, or even a parent. And several years ago, some colleagues and friends of mine and I were invited to write a book chapter on generations at work. And at the time, we concluded that, and I'll read from it, increased understanding and sensitivity to differences will lead to a more inclusive work environment. And that is my hope for this podcast. And I think you'll hear that and what you hear from our guest, which is there may be differences in generations, but good principles and practices that help us to listen, to learn, to honor and be sensitive to others, work for generations and lots of other categories of differences. So I'm excited that you all will get to hear from someone who has been close to the generational research in the recent years and also spends lots of time with other generations. She also happens to be one of my besties. She's been here before and she's back again by popular demand. So you're going to get to hear a conversation I had with Dr. Rosalind Pitts-Clark. Dr. Ros is a Georgia and Pennsylvania licensed psychologist, a school certified psychologist, and the sole proprietor of Pitts Psychological Services, where she specializes in childhood and adolescent diagnostic services, and she is amazing. In addition, Dr. Pitts-Clark works for the Atlanta Public School System, and she is also a freelance diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant and a fantastic speaker, where she consults with various corporate and educational organizations in an effort to help them meet the ever-changing needs of a diverse population. Dr. Pitts-Clark currently appears on Atlanta's ABC affiliate, WSB-TV, where she provides on-air insight regarding mental health, emotional wellness, relationships, parenting, race, racism, as well as career and school success. We do our best to keep this conversation on the professional side, but when you've known someone for 30 years, it goes where it goes. And in the midst of that, Dr. Ross shares some outstanding advice for working across generations. I am so glad you've joined. Enjoy. Thank you all so much for joining today's podcast. Today you are in for a treat because my girl, my JMU roomie, my 757 ace. And for those who don't know, that's the area code. <laughs> my back in the day club partner, which I don't talk to Lauren <laughs> about a lot, is back. 
And in season one, I don't even know if you know this, Rosalind, but in season one, one of our most popular episodes was the episode that we had together with Natasha Palmer, friend of ours, about making and maintaining adult friendships. So people love that episode. So thank you for coming back to the podcast to talk about a topic that I know you've discussed with other people, other organizations, which is so interesting to me about communicating, partnering, working across and with different generations. So welcome back, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So, and I'm glad we get to talk about this because I think about, you know, working, partnering, communicating across generations comes up in so many contexts. So certainly as parents, it comes up. I can't tell you how many times Lauren says, don't say that. (laughs) If I'm using (laughs) slang, you know. Slang of the day, which by the way, she always thinks I get from you because she she knows you work with young people. So she's always like, did you get that from Miss Roslyn? <laughs> but certainly it comes up in parenting, but it also comes up in workplace because for many of us, probably our work may be one of the most diverse environments we encounter on, on a regular basis. Um, community organizations. I think about my life group, which has oh, at least five generations represented so it is common, like it's a, it's a common, whether we could call it a benefit we get to work across generations or a challenge, but it's common. So just in general, what do you think about what I, what are generations? Why do they matter? Like kick us off into the topic. So I love this topic one, because it has, it's really changed my life and my perspective because I had always seen myself as the kind of young, cool, hip psychologist. And then I had to realize that is not me anymore. I am a senior career psychologist and looking to move myself out of this career within the next 10 years. So when I look at a new generation of people coming in, they look like babies to me. Mm. And what I realized is that I was not holding their value, their opinions, their thoughts in high esteem like I was holding someone who was in my age bracket or had the same level of experience. And I wondered, are other people having the same issue? How is it impacting those of us who are, you know, we're technically Gen Gen X versus those that are millennials and Gen Zs? You know, how is it impacting day-to-day work environments. And so I wanted to dig a little bit deeper to figure out how we can basically all get along (laughs) and how we can actually make our organizations better because the more diversity, whether it's cultural, whatever it is, our people who are younger and older, we all can come together to make the organization that much stronger. Yeah. So in the workplace right now, we're really seeing basically four generations that are that are here. We have our baby boomers. Those are our older people, usually between 69 and 77. And what I find is that a lot of those people are either our executives, our C-suite folks, our people in higher positions, or they could be people who just love working, love their jobs. There are people out there who love their jobs. Mm-hmm. And we also have a subset of people who cannot afford to retire. Those that because of rising inflation, rising health care costs, they just cannot afford to leave the workplace. Mm-hmm. Then we have us, our Gen Xs. Those are these are my people. This is my group. This is where we we rah rah for these for these folks. And so people who are between 43 and about 58, um, those are our Gen Xers. Then we've got our millennials. Now, these are my people. 
These are my go-tos when I have a technology question, when I have, um, when I want to kind of know what's, what's hot in the street, these Mm -hmm. are the people I'm going to. They're usually about 27 to 42. And so these are our early career people. They are closer to the research. If you're in an academic environment, or even if you're in a corporate environment, they're closer to their education. Mm-hmm. And then I hate to use the word babies, but the babies of the bunch are our Gen Zs. Um, those people are 26 and younger, mm-hmm. and we don't know a lot about them yet because they're just coming into the workforce. So we've got people who we can look at as, you know, the age of our grandparents. And then we've got people we look at as our children. And we're all supposed to come together, just like in college, the great social experiment and just figure it out. But it takes more than just figuring it out to make a um, to make the workplace successful. Yeah, I mean, and you know, when you said that, like, how we can are we holding all groups in high esteem? Yeah, I think that's something to think about because I was I was just watching football the other day and I was on Facetime with Lauren, and I was like, "Is that the coach?" <laughs> so young. She was like, "Who are you talking about?" And she was like, "Yeah, I guess," <laughs> but I know because in my lens, I'm still thinking everyone should be my, you know, is my age. Anyone younger than me looks young, perhaps, but, you know, he wasn't, but I've, I've done that. I'm like, well, is that the coach? Is that the person doing that? They look so young. And to your point, you have to recognize, okay, you're a lot older than you might feel or, or think that you are in any given moment. There are a lot of younger people that are doing very big, amazing things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a question about how, holding in high esteem people that are younger and people that are older. Yeah, I agree. And it's funny because even though I had to kind of check myself when I was talking to a younger colleague, I remember the days when parents would ask me, how old are you? Do you oh, have kids? Yes. Yeah. You know, I'm trying I'm trying to help them with their children or trying to give them support and, and therapy. And they're like, how old are you? Right. And with- <laughs> I'm like, well, I do know such and such and such and such. Right. And so wanting to make sure that I value their opinions, their thoughts, their perspectives the same way I would expect that they would value me mm-hmm. just on the, just because I'm older. So what do you see, Ros? What are some of the biggest differences that you've noticed across generations? Technology. Mm. Technology. The use of technology and communication. So those of us who are Gen X and boomers, we didn't grow up with technology. Um, we had to wait for some things, you know, we call Gen um, Z and millennials kind of the microwave generation. They've never had to wait for anything. They don't know what call waiting is. They don't know what a busy signal is. (laughs) They don't know, you know, oh, we're going to have to wait a few minutes before this to happen. So the biggest thing that I've noticed is communication patterns Mm -hmm. and technology. So when it comes to communication patterns, I typically see that, let me, let me give this as a disclaimer. Mm -hmm. These are generalizations. We work in patterns. We work in um, our brains function in patterns. If I see a red light, nine times out of 10 means to stop. Mm -hmm. Same thing with when we classify or organize people. We want to be very careful because not everybody is going to fit this prototype. We will always have outliers and people will say, that's not me. I'm Gen mm-hmm. X and I don't think that way. Yeah. So we we want to make sure that we're very clear about that when interacting with varying groups and not always assume that one group is one person because they belong to a certain group is going to behave in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, with regard to communication, um, the boomers and Gen Xs, we may prefer an email or an in-person, God forbid, meeting, <laughs> whereas our millennials and our Gen Zs are like, what, what do we need to be? 
or, you know, let, can't you put that in an instant message or can't you put that in an email or can't we do a FaceTime chat? Um, and our younger generations also are used to direct and immediate communication and feedback. I have a younger person on my team and she will video chat me in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, if I video chat someone, I typically, hey, can you video chat for a second? I don't just click and then expect for you to appear, you know, but um, they are very different. It is expected that you are there. You are able to communicate instantaneously. They also expect technology to be seamless. No glitches, no bumps where we're like, OK, I'm trying to figure this out. How does this work? OK, wait a minute. This this is what program they want technology at work to be as seamless as it is at um, at home. Mm-hmm. And then with communication styles, most of us that are in our, you know, our 40, or, well, Lord, I'm 50 now, in our 50. <laughs> it's hard to remember, honestly. Lord, have mercy. Most of us in our 50s, um, we don't want to be micromanaged. We really don't want, I don't need, we don't need a lot of feedback. Um, just let me know, generally, we're doing okay, we're not. I've noticed that the younger generations want immediate feedback and a lot of it. Mm-hmm. They want to know that they're doing well. They want to know um, how they can improve. They want to know that they are functioning as part of a group, which is very mm-hmm. different. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have seen that even with my my students in this class. Like I, at the beginning, we went through kind of ground rules for the class and, you know, expectations from each other. And uh, one of the things they asked of me, they were like, we love, we we want to be in communication. They're <laughs> like, if there's something that's going well or not, like we'd love to know about it. Basically that kind of instant feedback to a certain mm-hmm. extent or lots of communication about what's expected. That was definitely one thing that they requested, um, which I was like, oh, okay, I can do that. <laughs> you know, it's not something I think I would have done had they not asked, but I'm glad I asked because I was like, oh yeah, I can, I can definitely do that. So I think I could see that need for more. And to your point, it may just be the way they grew up. They're used to more instant communication, used to more instant feedback. And so they're looking for more from, you know, the people they work with as well. Yeah, I think it's really, it's really interesting because I know me, you know, if there's no feedback, then I'm thinking everything's going well. You know, we're, we're doing no well. No news is good news. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I'm not used to like, you know, was this right? Did I do this? And I get that from a lot of my younger team members. And I'm like, you know, and I'm trying to shift how I respond to that request for feedback because my initial response was trust your instincts, trust your training. You know, you typically know more than, you know, than the person you're sitting in front of in terms of theory. Mm -hmm. But then I had to go back and look at it and say, okay, they're looking for specific feedback yes, this is how we handle this. You did a great job in this um, capacity as opposed to more global, general, you know, you got this girl, you got this man, you know, kind of feedback. They want very specific feedback. Yeah, which, you know, and I, it's, I feel like this too. And I, I think one of the organizations I was in, we did a study and found this, that sometimes the younger generation is more vocal about something, but it's something that would honestly help all of us. So I may not request a lot of feedback, but if you gave me specific feedback, it would help me. Do you know what I mean? It's like they're requesting it. So it's maybe forcing us to do it more often, but it's the kind of thing that, you know, probably would help all of us really. Yeah. And one of the things I love about the younger generation is that they they speak up. They absolutely speak up. They don't like it. They don't talk about it. 
they want, they see something that needs to be changed. They want to have a discussion where a lot of older generations, we have been ingrained just to kind of keep it moving. Don't rock the boat, go with the status quo where they are like, "Mm -mm, that's not working for me. Uh huh. Yes, exactly. I, I like that. I, I appreciate that. And that's, that's what we found in that study that they were speaking up about things that yeah, everyone kind of wanted it, but they were the ones that were willing to say it out loud. Other people felt like you just, that's just not something you do. You kind of stuff it. You just kind of, you know, shoulder on kind of a thing. You can, you can figure it out. Whereas they were like, no, this isn't right, which I always appreciated. What's something you appreciate about the older generations, do you think? The older generations that you, you get a chance to interact with or work with? You know, I appreciate the longevity. I, you know, I admire that on some level, if it was really good for you, I I admire the longevity, the fact that the loyalty that many of our older, um, older workers have to their company or their organization, um, they literally are ride or die. You know, you don't speak ill about my company. I worked there for, you know, 25, 30 years. I, I love that. I love that they are committed. They are proud um, employees, and oftentimes they are just very dedicated to the work that they've done or and and continue to do. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Something it's something in the work ethic. Like there's, you know, I feel like there's they have a maybe a deeper commitment to the work ethic. They find value in it, kind of this working hard mentality, and just not as much com- like the younger generation is more willing to say that's not right. I also value this idea of like, I can just kind of get it done. Like it's kind of like, I'm just going to get it done, figure it out. Kind of this internal strength, I guess, Um, you know, this kind of internal ability to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, the work ethic is unmatched. Um, I had a conversation with a friend and he is Gen, kind of hovering around Gen Z millennial. His mom is definitely a boomer. And it was for, I said, well, we'll be there about five o'clock. He was like, well, I have to make sure mom isn't working. He was like, why is she working on a Friday at five o'clock? That is so boomer behavior. (laughs) Really? I said, boomer behavior because she was going to stay at her job until she got the work done, whether it's five o'clock on a Friday or six o'clock on a Tuesday evening, where he, as a kind of cuspy Gen Gen, um, Z millennial was like, I'm done. It's five o'clock. It's the weekend. Toast it up. (laughs) I can appreciate both of those. Honestly, I I can appreciate both of those perspectives, actually. The like, let's work and let's hustle. Let's get it done. And I can appreciate the, you know, it is five o'clock. Let's toast it up. Yes. <laughs> I'm not yes. mad at either one of those. But when it was boomer behavior, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, I definitely engage in some boomer behavior from time to time. You know, being Gen X, we're kind of between the two. So, you know, I feel like we can lean either way a little bit. But, you know, I I will say one of the other things about boomers, and, and I noticed this for my parents, you know, when I was thinking about career change or moving from one position to another, that they were like, yeah. what, what do you mean? Yeah. You're going to leave such and such and go somewhere else? I'm like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, that was unconscionable to them. Like, they worked the same job for years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we as the generation is changing, that's so different now. So. Yeah. Yeah. The stability. There was a, yeah, much, much higher stability, I think value on stability yeah. maybe than what we do yeah. today. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
So what do you think makes these interactions across generations challenging? So when we're in work or parenting or community context, what do you think makes it most challenging? I think one of the things is we, the other generations don't think the other generations know what they're talking about. They've never Mm -hmm. experienced it. They've never lived it. And we feel that our lives are just so different. Mm -hmm. And so we often feel like there's no common ground and we don't take the time to find the common ground. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're in an organization, the common ground is to move this organization forward. So whether you are a boomer or you're Gen Z, how are we going to work together to make that happen? If -hmm. you're at home, okay, I've got my mama who's, you know, 50 and using slang that I'm just like, ooh, don't say that out loud. But then I've got, you know, we've got this teenager, but we still have to work as a cohesive unit. How do we make that happen? Mm-hmm. So um, oftentimes, you know, we sit there and we're like, they don't understand. They just, they just don't understand. Yeah. Or they don't get it. They keep living. You'll mm-hmm. see what happens. You know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because you know that's one of those areas that I I was on a, a Bible study this week, and one of the members of the Bible study who is probably the silent generation. So she was in she's in her nineties. Oh. And, um. Yeah. And she was saying like how much she loves being around younger people. She was like, oh my God. She was like, I get so much energy from it. I love, you know, learning and hearing other people's perspectives. And I was like, you know, that's really what I was thinking about our talk. I was like, that's that's a better, healthier mindset, which is like, instead of me thinking what's different, it's like, what can I learn? Like, how can I enjoy this difference as opposed to, you know, thinking about how it gets in my way, like how can I learn from it and enjoy it? So when people say something that's so different, you know, how can you kind of double click on and ask more, learn more? And I was like, man, she's in her nineties with this perspective. I was like, oh, man. you know, just the idea that she didn't, she doesn't find it frustrating. She finds it intriguing, I think is the way she would describe yeah. it, you know? I think that's awesome. And I, but I think it's easier to do in social situations mm, that are not yeah. high stake than there are in than it is in more um, employment type of uh, environments, particularly if you think about the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, a lot of your boomers retired immediately because the demand for technology mm-hmm. rose exponentially and they couldn't keep pace. Mm-hmm. And to have to ask, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I set up this online course? How do I work remotely? How do I do that? You know, they didn't want to be seen as less than mm-hmm. because they didn't know. And I feel, I struggle with that sometimes because some of the technology requirements, I do depend on some of my younger colleagues for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ooh, I have another tech, you know, technology question. Ooh, I gotta ask this one. I gotta ask that one. I wish in the workplace I could be more like your friend in the silent generation and say, show me how it works. Tell me more about that Mm -hmm. without feeling threatened in my career, thinking Mm -hmm. that I'm going to be pushed out by this younger generation. And I Mm -hmm. think that's a real fear um, in, in the working world. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I remember one, um, one place I was talking to, they were doing, I don't remember what they called it, but it was basically like cross mentoring. So it was like, you know, they intentionally had people mentored across different generations. And the idea was that the older generation could teach them like how things work here and how to advance and you know, all those kind of things. And the younger generation could teach them like what's on the minds of younger people, technology, like 
all yeah. those things. And I was like, oh, that's a great way to, um, yeah. you know, to kind of bridge the gap and make it beneficial across for sure. So, and actually that's one of, that's what the research says is one of hmm. the best ways to bridge the generational gap at work is cross mentorship. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I yeah, could those see young that. people can breathe fresh wind, fresh fire, old folks, older folks can tell you, listen, this is how, <laughs> how it works here. Yes. Yes. So, I love that. What, so what are other strategies you think about people that are in at workplace or leading people that are different generations? Like what are other things you think people can think about to bridge this gap? I think the biggest thing is to establish a culture of respect mm-hmm. where everyone's opinion and their thoughts and their um, experiences are valued. I think that's where we lack. Um, that's where we lack the most. And that's where the most difficulty comes in. I mean, Aretha Franklin said it most. All we want is a little respect, no matter how old we are. And um, I think that is something that that's lacking. Um, and also what respect means, because to be respectful is different um, across the generations. You know, mm. many of the older workers may think that's, you know, silence and compliance, where many of the younger generations think, you know, it's asking questions and talking more, you know. Mm. So we really have to open that communication up to figure out what it is that, you know, the Gen Zs want and need in a work environment versus what the boomers need and working together so that we can have a mutually respectful and collaborative relationship. That's one of the biggest things that we have to do. And also, you know, varying modes of communication, you know, mixing in person. I feel like that's a dirty phrase at this point. (laughs) (laughs) person meetings and communication with, you know, the uh, technology, the group chats, the uh, teleconferencing, you know, we really have to integrate that because the younger generation, they want technology, they want seamless technology. You know, they don't, I was watching something on um, CBS this morning and I think it was Bloomberg who was talking and he's like, everybody needs to come back to work right now. And another mayor from another city has said that he thinks eventually 70% of the workers will be remote. And Bloomberg, again, he's a boomer. He said, how? I can't work with you over FaceTime. I can't work with you over um, Zoom. I want people in the office Mm -hmm. so that I can develop a collaborative relationship. How can I write a reference or recommendation for you? And I've never seen you in my life. Mm. So again, just, you know, a, a flexible work environment. Some in person, some virtual, you know, um, so that people because our our work life balance is very different across the generation. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that we are um, addressing that. And also the culture, you know, boomers, Gen X suits, ties, you know, business casual versus the Gen Z's jeans and sneakers, you know, doesn't matter. Yeah. Does it really matter? And I know in my profession, that's a big thing. You know, they want people to dress up at work and the younger generation. Why? <laughs> Tell me more. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah. Delve into that. You know, I'm covered. I'm respectful. I don't have any crazy logos on. Tell me why I need to be in, you know, a button down shirt every day. Mm-hmm. How does mm-hmm. that impact my performance? Yeah. And really be able to have those conversations and not leave it as, because I said so. That's mm. our culture. Yeah. That's going to get you, you're going to lose employees that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, and I I mean, I think this is, it's funny. So one of the things, you know, so I'm teaching this class now, which is so fun because it's getting me to interact more with this generation, younger generation. And I think your idea about variety 
in the work environment so everyone can get their needs met makes a lot of sense. Because even several of them who were younger said like someone had done just remote um, for an internship, someone had done in person. And it seemed like the people who were happiest were those people that were in some version of a hybrid. So it's not Mm -hmm. a, you have to be in person because that didn't make sense. Being completely remote, they said didn't make sense either because it's harder to kind of get to know people, form relationships. Mm -hmm. So I think those to your point about variety, those people that were working in environments that encourage some of all, like, yeah, you're sometimes remote when it makes sense, you're in person. They had a rationale behind it were the environments that people really learned the most, appreciated the most, and probably were most drawn to in terms of going back to work. So I think there is something in this just like, let's not do stuff just to do stuff. Like, let's have a rationale for it. And if you can do things that allow everyone to get some of their needs met, you're probably in a better place. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You have, you have employees who are happy. Yeah. (laughs) And that's key. I mean, you know, but again, that's a generational thing too, because um, the younger generations, they are more in tune with their mental health. Mm -hmm. They are more in tune with work-life balance. Mm -hmm. They're also more in tune with their own values, their own beliefs, their own morals. And if they don't align with the company's morals, values, and beliefs, they are quick to exit stage left mm-hmm. with no hesitation where, you know, the older generations, I'm like, Ooh, my retirement. Oh, let's yeah. talk about my health care. Ooh, what about this? They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, this, this, this doesn't fit me. Mm-hmm. This is not in alignment with who I am. Yeah. Next. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess flexibility gives you a higher chance of getting more of those needs met. <laughs> like as a business, you know, it's like, if I'm flexible, I have a higher likelihood of letting this really diverse group of people have their needs met in this yeah. environment. And yeah. hopefully keep employees in place because mm. the worst thing to have to do is to retrain, rehire, reintegrate people. Just, you know, high turnover is not good for anybody. I don't care mm. what level of, of um, employment. High turnover is, is hard on an organization. Yeah. Um, not just the HR people, but also the workers. Yeah. You know, you have to pick, somebody has to pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it's tough. I love that. So let me ask you this, just kind of a final question. Like what, what thoughts would you want to leave people with in terms of generations and generations at work or um, just working, living across generations? Be flexible. Mm. Be flexible. I think that's the biggest thing. Be flexible, be willing to learn like your 90-year-old Bible study member. Mm -hmm. Be excited about new opportunities to learn, even if it stretches you beyond your boundaries. And I just, and I really think we have to remember that everyone can teach us something. Whether you're 75 and you're the CEO of a company or you're 25 and you just walked in as the new IT person, you both have value and those have to be acknowledged mm-hmm. and honored in your workplace so that everyone has a workplace where they feel that they are, um, they're integral parts of making the, of making it happen. The moment someone feels that they are not valued is the moment that they disengage and very soon after they will, they most likely will exit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Valuing others. It's a challenge for all of us and also a you know, a beautiful opportunity really to value everyone that we get a chance to interact with um, for what they bring. Yeah. And I think 
regardless of where we are in the diversity continuum, I think valuing people is where where it is. You know, we have to remember that the more diverse we are, the more it helps us and more it helps our company, the more it keeps us keep kind of keeps our ear to the grindstone. So we know what what the streets are saying as the young people. Say, I don't know, Lauren, was that right? She'll let us know if not. Okay, let me know. Please. Let me know, Lauren. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but I definitely think that's that's a huge. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining. Let me ask you this: I want to do a lightning round at the end that lets people just learn more about you and um, just get to know you as a person better. So, three quick questions. One is, what's one thing that helped you figure out what you wanted to do? So, like. What's one thing that helped you figure out you were interested in school psychology, psych, like working in this profession? Ooh, that's a hard one. Because right I think I want to be a goat herder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in all honesty, I love children. I love working with children. I love seeing children, children and families succeed. One of the reasons I went into school psychology is because during one of my internship rotations, I was in a hospital setting. And the first question we had to ask is, who's your insurance provider? And it really dictated what um, type of assessment, what type of therapy, what type of services I could provide to you, whether, you know, based upon your health insurance. Mm -hmm. Then I realized in the schools, it doesn't matter. You can have the best health insurance in the world or you could be on public assistance. I can still give you the best of what I have. And that's Mm -hmm. what I love. I can serve and service every single, every single person, no matter who you are. Oh, wow. I never really thought about that, about Mm -hmm. public schools being a bit more equalizing than in terms of resources than places. Theoretically. Theoretically. I I get it. Theoretically. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. Okay. I love that. So what is one of your favorite books or movies? Ooh, um, my favorite book is The Alchemist. I love The Alchemist. Don't judge me, y'all. But my favorite movie is The Sound of Music. Listen, don't let me start singing in here. Don't let me start singing. are alive. You hear me? <laughs> oh, my God. I, every holiday season, every Christmas, I'm like, is The Sound of Music on yet? Yes. Okay. It could be a random Tuesday. Uh, that, and you know what else? New Jack City. You got to love the dichotomy of okay. my life. I was going to say, the fact that you said Sound of Music and then brought back New Jack City is one of the many reasons I love you. (laughs) We have to be multifaceted people here, right? Clearly. Very clearly. (laughs) Clearly you are. Yes. And I've never read The Alchemist. So now I got to put that on my list of things. Oh, and The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. That is outstanding. Even this morning, I remember one of the things she said, my little one, I had finished working out. I was a sweaty mess mm-hmm. and he, um, he wanted to snuggle. So I literally took off my clothes. I wrapped myself in a robe and a towel and I held him for a few minutes because he wanted to snuggle. So Aww. anytime he says, mommy, can you play with me? If I can make it happen, I'm going to do it. Oh yeah, I do. I do love that book. That is an exceptional read. If you haven't read that, yeah. Okay. Um, and last thing, what is one thing you wish parents understood if when it comes to their children and school or anything in that realm? Usually, they're trying their best. They're trying the best, and that sometimes I know Russell Barkley says this all the time. He's like an ADHD guru. Um, he says oftentimes the kids who need the most loving will try to get it in the most unloving ways. Mm. So when our children are 
even okay so let's go on to uh to black panther when um they say that a child will burn the village down to feel its warmth yes so oftentimes and i try to remember this with mine when we're melting down when we're a mess what do you need mm. there's a need that's being not being met in this space and i think that's for all of us mm-hmm. when we are a mess what need is not being met and just remembering that you know kids are are little people you know there's an unmet need and let's try to address that before we address before we go directly to discipline let's mm-hmm. try to address the unmet need oh that's good yes for i mean because as soon as you said that, i was thinking children and then i was putting myself in work context in leading teams and that i see that in teams as well you know that it's in an unloving way but there's they're trying to get love. They're trying to get acceptance. They're trying to get belonging. They're trying to get security. Like it's something, there's a need under there. They're trying to get met, even though it may show up in a really unloving unloving way. way. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. Yes. Thank you for the wisdom. I love this. So thank you again so much for joining. I love you dearly. You know that you can find Dr. Roz on Instagram at, do you remember your Instagram handle? Ask Dr. Roz. That's it. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you. Because I just I just realized in my notes I had a, an underline where I was supposed to put it. Ask Dr. Roz. Ask Dr. Roz. So you can find Roslyn on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram as well at Arlene underscore pace dot green. Thank you all so much for joining and be well. If you love this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You're also invited to join my private email group where just for joining, you will receive a checklist for getting your LinkedIn profile in top shape and a link to the first chapter of my book. Click join the crew in the show notes. I also invite you to visit my website where you can shop our t-shirt collection designed to help you fulfill your purpose, love your work, and enjoy your life. I have them all, wear one almost every episode, and know you will love them. Thanks so much for joining me on this journey. Let's go. Thank you.